Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to the one, the only Mav Puck cast with Jason and John. Hopefully, you like that little uh, change to our intro. I feel the need to mix things up a little bit. John's grabbing his drink for our what is our drink segment. <laughs> yeah, because apparently I was not ready to go live here on this uh, podcast. So, <laughs> and I'm not cutting that out. Just it's more fun this way. It so I guess of, I should it didn't start. Make a lot of interesting noise, did it? As I got up and did that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So while you get while you get prepared, I'm going to start this week. Okay. Since I failed miserably last week and just had my protein shake after our, our sniper game. Yeah, I, I want to. Yeah, I want to thank you for having the chocolate milk last week. You yeah, kind of we'll, pulled a pulled a John there as far as your beverage went. We'll talk about uh, the 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 happenings and stuff in uh, Duluth and. Uh, I guess I take credit for that. So this week I decided to double down. I've got straight Jim Beam and honey. Okay. So I'm not I'm not mixing it with anything else. <laughs> I'm not going cheap beer or anything. We're going full on. Let's just drink some alcohol and get ourselves out. Look, of this. it ha it's been a it's been an up and down season, but the team seems to play better when you drink an adult beverage. So <laughs> I'm slightly nix that chocolate milk, you know, for the rest of the season as far as yeah. I'm concerned. I don't know. I'd have to ask my guys about like, should I, can I put whiskey in my uh, protein shake? <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely add some carbs to your protein shake. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know how all that stuff works. I don't. Yeah. We don't talk nutrition on this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, all right. I am, so what do you got? I am drinking Hollywood's original Shirley Temple soda pop. This would be cherry seven up for those who don't know what a Shirley Temple is. Roy Rogers. Yeah, Roy Rogers. Yeah, it's very pink and girly. So that was the other drink. Bridget got me that Bulldog root beer last week at Mangelson's, and then she yeah. got me a bottle of this too. And I was gonna go to I was gonna go to Broncos here in Omaha, and I was gonna get a you know a Broncos beverage and bring it over, but I didn't really want to go out of the way on the drive over here, so I didn't do that. So the weather's not that bad. No. It will be later this week, but yeah, no, the weather's fine today. I mean, I just right. you know. I didn't want to delay. I didn't this, want to delay getting out here to record this. <laughs> this isn't a weather podcast, so we should probably move on. We're stalling Absolutely. on yeah, we're the... we're stalling. Uh, oh, what happened in Duluth? Yeah. What it was cold up there. <laughs> it was, yeah. Sub-zero temperatures. I said it wasn't a weather podcast. Uh, yeah. Here we're talking about weather again. It was, it was a tough series for the team. Uh, for our team? Yeah. Not for their team. I'll tell no. you what, that's a good... And it's amazing the number of under... We were just looking at that, the number of underclassmen on that roster. Freshmen and sophomores that are good contributors on that team. They're going to be a good team for a while. That or this year's a fluke. I mean, you could be right. You never know. That's kind of one of the things with college hockey is... I. It's not uncommon for teams to go from bad season to great season or, or the other way around. You know, so. sometimes just a handful of players can be the difference between that. It's crazy what kind of a thin thread there is that kind of holds some of these operations together. But they've got good goaltending, a good defensive core, and some good forwards. So. so for those who weren't able to watch the games on NCHC TV, I don't think any of them were on locally, right, that I knew of. There was... Um, no, there. Well, it was on Fox Sports Midwest, and so some people 
maybe with satellite or mm. so i don't know see i cut the cord years ago so i stream this stuff so yeah so we'll just say if they didn't watch on nchc tv uh uno had a really bad friday lost seven to two it was a tough I think friday that's probably closer than the game really was right and then a much better effort on saturday but we still lost three to one right at no point in the game were we winning either game no it was it, so what it, are your it, thoughts i don't know it kind of reminded me a little bit just just the vibe i had watching it it reminded me of a little bit when bridget and i were up at st cloud uh, for that series back in december you could tell that we were playing a really good team you could tell that you know we kind of got off slow out of the gate on friday night in particular right. and i think you know overall this was a series that you and i looking at this one on paper going into it we were hoping that we could split but i don't know that we were terribly confident about that i know i wasn't i predicted that we'd get swept did you predict that we, i thought you predicted yeah. that we'd split no you predicted yeah. that we'd split all right okay remember remember i don't this, remember in this gag you were the optimist you're the good well, cop i'm, I'm the bad cop the remember i'm well aware i picked a sweep of north dakota too i'm i'm trying to be optimistic but those when we went into january yeah we really looked at that north dakota series as being the series where we could get some wins and get some conference points we weren't terribly confident about the denver series to start off the new year or this series playing the defending national champions in duluth so i don't know i think the toughest part of that weekend was the number of shots that we gave up both nights <clears throat> 56 yeah, on Friday, 52 shots. on Saturday. And that was a, I, just looking here, I, that was a season high number of shots for Duluth this season. I heard the announcers say at one point that the game plan or the request from the coach was 60. And I thought, well, that's low balling it a little bit. It's, yeah, it is low balling a little I mean, bit. At that point in time, I think we'd given up 28 or something in the right. period. Right. Oh. Uh, and I think that's a big problem because this isn't the first game that that's happened. I mean, UNO has given up, you know, over 40 shots in a game. Right. Multiple times. Yeah, the previous one, we did give up over 50 shots that uh, game back in October. I think mm -hmm. the second game against Arizona State out there. Yeah. We gave up 50-some shots. So that was our previous high until this and weekend. I, We just can't. I mean, we got to find a way. Coaches got to find a way to keep that workload down around well that's what we 30s or something exactly they that was we had heard that that was going to be the strategy in the second half of the season was to kind of slow th slow it down mm -hmm. kind of shorten the game and minimize the number of looks that the other teams got on Wenninger. yeah they didn't do that no they didn't do that i don't know why that plan changed I don't know why that plan changed either. Maybe they listened to us a couple I weeks mean, ago where we said, eh, I guess, just run up and down the ice with them. If we get beat <laughs> seven to two, it doesn't matter. So but we weren't. He gave us, he hasn't given us the CWS line yet, but he gave us but what we wanted. But at this point, why not? Like, just come on, man. I mean, yeah. what do you got to lose? Yeah. I mean, if it works, I mean, we'll probably take credit. Because I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding if you didn't watch the game. I... I think it, it's. 
I think it's amazing that they actually kept that game seven to two on Friday. I oh mean, yeah, we I agree. were outclassed every second of the game. I agree. I completely agree. And so, I I don't know. I mean, we've got to find a way that that we can prevent shots, but we still need some scoring opportunities. Because right. the other the other side of that is, I think we got outshot twenty. It was 24 to four or something at one point. And I'm like, we're never, I mean, the odds that we're going to score on four shots are pretty low. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was crazy. I'm just looking at that right now. It was crazy. The number of shots that we allowed. And then Friday night, it's not the running gun systems. I've seen running gun systems where there's like a hundred shots, you know, combined right. per team or something and it's 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 not the case they get all the shots friday we night get we, a only, we only got 17 shots on goal the entire game friday night it was 34 saturday night so that was yeah that a little bit more normal yeah i mean you really should be looking at mid 20s to low 30s sure. it should be your goal for offensive production that should net you two to three goals Right. And Evan played really, really well. And I think he if he can be, keeps playing at the level that he has played, you know, realistically, letting in one or two is is acceptable. Yeah. But. Yeah, I know, right. It was. Uh, we've talked about secondary scoring and stuff before, and it's just, it was totally evident in there. I mean, Polkanen's right. line, I thought, played pretty well. Yep. Uh, and, and certainly had chances. Yeah. But there was no finishing. I mean, no. they had great opportunities that sent wide or you know i mean granted he made some good saves for duluth but it's it's hard to, yeah that was just one of those series and again it reminded me of the one at saint cloud right. it was just it, right, right. it just had that i just didn't feel you know first few minutes into the game on friday i just didn't feel like we were going to win a game this weekend yeah and that's nothing against the players and the guy i mean they they're working hard they had a a good couple of productive series leading into this one it just it wasn't it wasn't meant to be this weekend. They've bounced back in these kinds of things yep. before, and I think they can do it again. Uh, I just I don't know. The, they seem to pack it in a little bit on Friday, kind of after right. um, you know two thirds or so of, sure. the, of the second period. But yeah, yeah. I, I know they're gonna find it, something. Well, and the 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 players in the press conference last Tuesday kind of alluded to that earlier in the season back in October and November that there were certain games where they just you know they get down by a couple goals and they felt like you know sort of just mentally felt like packing it in and right you know moving on to the next game and I completely it's this has been a tough season for them and so it's one of those seasons where we're going to have to kind of enjoy what we get you know and it it may not be a you know national championship obviously but you know we've got to enjoy the victories as they come we have a chance you keep saying you know the winner of the nchc tournament gets in no matter what their record is if we win the i'll tell you what if we win the next 10 regular season games (laughs) we'll be in really good shape (laughs) heading into the conference tournament yeah i think that's beyond optimism but yeah i think that it's yeah and as that's that's the other thing too is the as we kind of start to drill down the number of games here, it's, you know, and we're heading into February now, you know, the narrative kind of starts to change because the fewer games we have, the fewer opportunities there are to kind of turn things around and, and get a, you know, a respectable win total 
you know, to end the season. Right. And you can't get an at-large bid if you're not 500, so... Yeah, and I I look at it this way. I mean, unless we're 500, we're not going to win the kind of comparisons that we need to win. Anyway, oh, yeah. You know, exactly. You're just not going to... So... It's not going to be there. No. So, I know a lot of fans on Twitter and, and Facebook that we've been seeing and stuff have kind of... Uh, alluded to packing it in (laughs) not just for this season but it seems like there's some debate as to whether or not it's seven or ten years from now before we see that it's that wonderful time every year when the silly season starts to happen among fans i mean here's the thing and one of the things that makes sports so compelling is that the narrative you want is rarely the narrative you get if you could predict what was going to happen and you knew exactly what was going to happen with you know beyond a shadow of a doubt Sports wouldn't be interesting because nobody would tune in to watch because they'd know what was going to happen. So right. the unpredictability is what makes it interesting. And obviously, I, I don't think anybody, I mean, in hindsight, we could look back and point to indicators that might have suggested this would happen this season. But I think we thought that the team would probably win the you know typical 16, 17 games that they had been winning the last, you know, basically decade. Right. And so... It didn't happen. So that's, it, in many respects, just looking at it month by month record-wise, it's similar to the eight-win season that they had back in 2003-2004, which was a season where there was a lot of hand-wringing among fans and there was a lot of consternation and there were a lot of, you know, doom and gloom predictions. And we've heard that today. You know, it's it's been interesting because you look at the last few weeks of play. You know, we play well at Denver. We play well at against North Dakota at Baxter Arena. And everybody's like, the team's playing well. They're getting things going. The coach has got them going. They're buying in. This team is, you know, on the men. They're on the rebound. Right. And then we have one bad series against the defending national champions in Duluth. And suddenly it's, this is all Dean Blaze's fault. And it's going to take, you know, seven Seven to ten years to to turn this thing around. Right. I think... I think it shows where the NCHC is at this moment in time. I think right. that the NCHC is clearly St. Cloud and Duluth. Right. And then you've got three teams in Denver, North Dakota, and Western Michigan that are right. kind of a, a second tier right. program. And then you round out the bottom. Correct. And so we're right now we're playing like one of the teams that are rounding out the bottom. Yeah. Now I think that's fine to look at for the season, but then to like project that seven years from now or six years from now or something where we're still going to be in this position. I think that's, that's kind of rough. And I think that Gavin's doing a job about, you know, preaching system and and responsibility and, and he's looking long term. Right. But, Next season's next season. And, and right. so we have a bad season this year, you know, pack it in. We get some young new blood come into Baxter arena and we'll see what happens. Right. Just because you have one bad year. doesn't mean the program's doomed for a decade. No, and, and sometimes I think people make that prediction because it's, it's almost a safe prediction to come out and say, you know, we're not going to be good for another four or five years. And then if they are good, then it's like, well, see the, you know, the coaches and administration, they're all geniuses and the players, you know, overperformed and they did a yeoman's job of, right. you know, getting things done. And I would rather be a, a little, 
a little less safe, I would think that there are opportunities for them to improve next season. I mean, I, we've won one game on the road this season. I think even with a team full of, you know, underclassmen, I think that they can compete next year. You know, we won't know, obviously. I mean, it's the unpredictable nature, like I was talking about. Right. We don't know what will happen until we see those guys and see what kind of line combinations and how they perform uh, early on in the season. But I think, I don't know, I, 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 I think there's probably a palpable fear that we're going to become Colorado College, which you look at, that's a program that used to be a perennial NCAA contender. Mm-hmm. They've won national championships. Yes, they have. And unfortunately, you know, Colorado College and Miami have both struggled since the NCHC began play in 2013. And those were good programs before the NCHC. So I think that there's a fear. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those strange situations where I don't know necessarily how you turn it around in the near term, but you know, I think, and, and I know people are, I don't know that you want to though. I don't know no. that you want to turn around. Like I think from a coaching standpoint where, where Gadnet sits, I don't know that your expectation or your desire is for it to be dramatically different next year because, and I know the fans probably won't like hearing this, but I would, I would be concerned about that fluke year where, you know, kids come in and it's, you know, amazing. And then you lose guys that probably aren't ready to go to the next level. And then you end up hurting your program long-term even more. Like I'd rather see them take incremental steps towards, you know, a perennial program, which is what a lot of the, you know, the Denver's and and Boston's and Boston college and these perennial teams have done is that they've built a culture and, and they've built a fan base. They've built, all the necessities that go around, you know, having a successful, right. You know, program year in and year out, they have the recruiting base, they have the recruiting talent, you know, they, they do things the right way, you know, the way Gabnet has talked about, you know, do things the right way, even when the results aren't what you want, you're still doing things the right way. Right. So we've talked about this before in some of the other podcasts is I would expect to see this team kind of take, uh, a step to maybe closer to a 500 team next year, right? you know, be, then be over 500 the following year and then be in a situation where, you know, you're winning conference championships and, and year in, year out, you're making a run for these types of things. You're not going to get it every year, but if next year kids come in and we're suddenly, you know, a 20, 22 win season or something like my concern would be that the focus is on, how much talent we had come in and some of those kids then leave too early it, when they're like sophomores juniors. Here's the thing. This, this could happen because back in the 3 4 season where we won eight games, we brought in a who's who of the top scorers in the United States Hockey League. Yeah. Right? And so they came in, and if I recall correctly, and I'm again, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, people, but this is the kind of useless trivia that I know about this team. I believe we turned it around and we went from winning eight games to winning 19 games the following season. We got to the CCHA Super 6 in Detroit, which mm-hmm. was the last time any of us got to go to a neutral site, conference, anything. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, they made the NCAA tournament. Well, Bill Thomas was a player who came in during that 0405 class from Tri-City. And he and Scott Pars did really well together on that team. Right. And then Bill Thomas, who had been an undrafted 
free agent. Got interest from the Coyotes organization. Right. And he ended up leaving mere hours after we lost to Boston University in the regional out in Worcester, Massachusetts. And he was a player who left after his sophomore season. He probably should have stayed another season. But obviously when uh, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, contacts you and asks you to come play professional hockey, you're probably not going to say no to that. Right. But that was one of those situations where if he had stayed another season, they might have made another NCAA tournament run because the team was different without him. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of times those things don't end up working out. You know, right. he, he left early and I think that another year in college hockey probably would have been better for him. Right. Developed his skill a little bit more, but it is, it's hard to turn down that money. And yeah. a lot of these kids have dreams of playing in the NHL. And so when an NHL team comes says, you know, you know, we'll take you and we'll give you a spot. And most of them won't bat an eye about staying. Uh, and so I, yeah, I, that's hard. And that, that would be my concern is yep. that, you know, you get these, these kids come in and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you know, this kid's the reason why they went from eight to 20 or something. Sure. Like that. And so mm. the, right. The NHL scouts come in and decide to poach them. Yeah. You know, cause the kid developed faster than we expected sure. or this is the, where we wanted him to be. And now he's there. And then it's like, See, and that's what gets hard then because you steal him and now a guy that you expected to have, because most of the time right. when you're in a recruiting stuff for, for college hockey and stuff, you're looking at getting three years out of a out of a player. It's always a bonus right. when you get a senior senior season. Yep. Uh, but the the good talents, the, the kids that get drafted and stuff, you typically expect to get three hours out of them. You're so talking like a, leave, J- a Jake Gensel type of right. a situation. Which yeah. Gensel was where, I mean, after his junior year, it's like, yeah, we all wanted him to stay, but... That that's probably where Blaise had thought we get out of him. I would, yeah, exactly. I would have preferred that he stayed another year, but that's right. That's just me. But th- this is the thing. But it's, you see, it's working out. Like, right. had he left after his sophomore season, who's to say that he'd be in the same position without oh, that extra abs- year? Development? You're absolutely right. And obviously, I will say that if the freshman class comes in next year and we rattle off 22 wins, that would be. I, I would. I think at this point I would gladly take that problem now, but I understand right. exactly what you're For saying. For next year. But then right. what happens the year after that? Because then all these kids, you know, you lose, what, two or three of them you weren't planning on losing. Now you don't have recruiting to bring in. Because you haven't recruited, your expectation is that they get to your their junior year. They leave early, a year or two. They may, And you're they, not, you don't have the system. You don't have that recruiting lineup you, in place to You don't to have the in. experience of, having the successful players on your roster that you've been developing the first two years to right. do it your way. And so suddenly you have to bring in a bunch of, you know, fresh recruits. Right. Or get someone to flip. You're, you're, oh, you're, you're absolutely right. I think the thing that's hard for me about this entire discussion that's been, you know, percolating over on Twitter is the fact that I just, I think it's somewhat pointless to continue re-prosecuting the Dean Blaze years. I think that, you know, again, I've heard a lot of stories of what went on his final two seasons. We all know that going into the 2016-17 season, which would ultimately be his last, that it sounded like he knew he was on the way out, Right. you know, before the season started. 
And that, and I'll just tell you right now, that is not a healthy situation to have, uh, is to have a head coach who's, you know, kind of in a bad frame of mind and who knows whether he's getting along with the administration or not at that point, because you have to keep recruiting players every year. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's why we're having the woes that we are having now. Obviously, we've lost recruits more recently. Last season, we lost recruits when Peter Menino left the team. Right. But it's, I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, had we recruited, you know, 15 and 16-year-olds back then, would they have panned out, you know, a couple, three years later and been great? It's hard to say. You know as well as I do that, a lot of times people, you know, teams will get commits from some of those young players and they just get the commits to try to get the commits, not necessarily intending to bring them in later on, knowing that they might not pan out, but they want to yeah. keep their competition from. From going after. Right. right. And so that's why I don't put a whole lot of stake in verbal commits for me. Right. You know, it's, it's not it's until cool they to see that, that they're working, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't, I don't hold a whole lot of stake that they're actually going to to show up, I kind of wait for the NLI period and stuff like that. That's when you start to get a, a better feel for for what it is. And there's so much that goes into, you know, even after you get a verbal commit from a kid, there, there's so much that goes into nurturing that relationship and right. making sure that they're still committed to coming to the university and making right. sure that they don't get spooked by things. And, and that's a hard thing to do. And, and I think that the conversion from verbal commit to to national letter is where you see is that coaching staff willing to put in that work do they have someone who's good at that because i think that getting a kid to say yes i'm going to come to nebraska omaha is one kind of skill set and talent and getting a kid to say i said i'm coming here i'm putting a pen to paper with my name on it is a different skill set. Well, we've seen this with dozens of recruits over the years. I mean, we've had guys who've decided to go the, we just had recently had a recruit, um, decide to go the major junior route. I mean that, mm-hmm. and this is a, you know, Gabinet recruit under the current regime. I mean, this just happens. I mean, if you go to right. Chris Heisenberg's, you know, recruiting spreadsheets that are really fascinating to look at online, you look at these teams and you look at the number of guys who have a line through their name you know, guys decommit all the time. Or, right. You know, you look at Tyler Weiss. We were talking about this before the show. You know, Tyler was a guy who was, you know, committed to go to uh, going to Boston University. And ultimately, yeah. he ended up coming here. And I, I'm assuming that uh From everything David we hear, Quinn, it's a Quinn guy. He was a Quinn kid. Which David Quinn was, a for those who don't know, was a former assistant in the early years at, at UNO. And he's a He's a terrific individual. I got to interact with him a number of times, and I can understand wanting to play for Quinn. But that's one of those things where we benefited, where a player right. uh, who was a, a good prospect, you know, didn't go to a, a top team like BU and ended up coming to UNO. So this happens all the time. So I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. I just, I guess what I would say is this is one of those, you know, kind of challenging moments where we have to get things, you know probably going within the next couple seasons, I would say. You have to start. I think you just need to start seeing progression. Right. You know, we have a more consistent play eight to 10 win season this season. Right. Let's have a, you know, 14 to 16 win season next season. And then we can start getting to the point where we're talking about, all right, right now, you know, Weiss is a junior. Yeah. Possibly the last year we have him. Right. 
you've got Ward Conley, will be a junior. Ward will be a junior. So, and then you've got, you know, these freshmen that are, yep. that we expect for next season that will yep. be in their sophomore years. Yep. And like, that's when I really expect them to, if, if the system's working, if the things are going the way that right. it sounds like, like Gabnet wants them to go, that's right. I think going to be the, the sign that that's what we're getting. Right. Right. And I, and I know people are concerned about the incoming recruiting class because it's not a who's who of NHL draft picks at this point. But again, we don't know what will happen this summer. And we got to see because... Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've got a mix. I, sometimes, you know, honestly... There's everything a... I've seen says that Seville will go probably late second, early third. Right. Uh, with the season that he's having, I think that's... Personally, I just think that's kind of his high end, his top end, especially for being a goaltender. It's really hard for teams to draft goaltenders. There's just hard. It's really hard to predict how a kid's going to yeah. progress. And but I could see him being, I have him mid third, late third, probably. Uh, if he slides, maybe fourth round, but he's probably going to be an NHL right. pick. Uh, I think Bremer might be a late pick. You know, Bremer, here's thing about him he was traded a yeah he's weeks now ago. in lincoln yeah yeah and he had a hat trick last night and it was the first hat trick for the stars since 2017 yeah i, mean, I think it might have been december 27th so it's not like it was like you know two years ago but right that's pretty impressive he was a player that you and i really liked yeah and i think some of these guys you know some of these guys are older players who'd been recruited by top programs who the programs for whatever reason decided not to bring them in so they're a little bit older but those guys could turn out to be you know, good players for you and O that are diamonds in the rough. Right. That we, we might not see it now, but they've got, they're a little bit older. They've got the experience. They've got a chip on their shoulder because they were passed over and things haven't quite gone the way they want. So there's kind of a maturity level there. There's maybe a little bit of leadership there. So I think it'll be interesting to see when you're looking at, you know, fully one third to one half of the team is going to be new next season. It's, it's going to look very different than it does now. Right. And you never know how I've talked about chemistry at least a lot right. on the podcast and stuff. And I've, it, it's something I've always looked for in, in coaching kids when I was doing that was who, who gels well, right. You know, who's good on the road together and yep. uh, who plays well, because sometimes it's like, I, I know some coaches are just like, all right, the three guys that are on the line together room together and the two guys that are paired to, on D together room together. And, and that's kind of how right. everything worked. And I, there were a number of times where we went on traveling trips and stuff and I'd have a first line center with a third line wing and a first pairing D just because the guys seemed to be friends and get along together. And I yeah. really didn't care that guys that played together, stay together kind of thing. Right. Uh, because I really wanted them to build that bond and have that yeah. camaraderie. And so, you don't know with these kids coming in where you're, where they're going to lie on the chemistry, who's going to connect together on the ice, uh, who's going to be able to support each other off the ice. Sure. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of unknowns. I think potentially it might be, look, I think, you know, you, you've got a mixture of, you've got guys from the blaze era, guys from the Gabinet era. I know that, you know, and a number of the guys from the blaze era were, you know, excited and happy when Gabinet became head coach, but it's still, you know, you're dealing with baggage there from the previous regime. And so I think having a fresh slate of players 
might actually serve them well. And it's different. It's different when you come into a system where you right. know you're going to have to learn something new yeah. and, and you're learning something new versus this these is guys the way that have we played together. Is, we've done it this way for, especially right. the seniors. Like, yep. Think about it. We did it this way for two years. Then we yep. had to learn a new way to do it. And now yep. we're trying to execute on the new way yeah. we learned. I know. It's hard. It's definitely hard. And that's, and we've heard that in the weekly press conferences time and time again is, you know, I think the guys are buying in and they're buying into the systems and buying in with what we're wanting to do here. You know, when you've got freshmen coming in, they're not going to know any different. That's just right. what we do here. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't been around hockey, it's hard to understand. I think it if is. you haven't played hockey, it's nearly impossible to really understand at that level, the what it takes to change a system, to change a way sure. you play, uh, especially some of these kids that ha- you they're they're t- used to being this kind of player, right? Being relied on to do this, they right. were they were taught that you need to do this, and then all of a sudden you're playing in a different system, and now you're having to be something else, right? You know, sometimes that works out for you. Sometimes, sometimes you weren't used right the first way. But yeah, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're put in a position where you're having to do things you're not comfortable with. Well, and I think one of the other things that kind of afflicts fans from time to time is the fact that, look, we had, by all accounts, I think we had a lot of success during the Dean Blaze years, during the eight seasons he was here. But there were fans who were getting kind of worn out on, you know, only winning 17, 18 games a season. You know, now at this point in the season, 17, 18 wins looks pretty good but right you remember there were there were some people that thought that i, I kind of got the sense that there were people who thought well we're going to win you know 16 to 18 games a season we need somebody who can kind of you know turn up turn the dial a little bit and get that up to 20 21 wins a season yeah. and i don't think they necessarily realize how hard it is you know when it's, you're talking about a 34 game season how hard it is to win know, two finish out of three. over five right yeah and I, I think a lot of, unfortunately, in my experience, a lot of people who are casual fans right. don't understand that 15 wins in a season is actually really good. Yeah. Even though even though you might be sub five, I mean, depending on ties and everything else, that, that would leave you sub 500. You've got a pretty solid team, and there have been a lot of good teams over the years that finished slightly below 500, but they've been competitive all season long. Yeah. It's just, it's it's... It's a it's a more difficult thing. I mean, I remember there were people who, you know, had made the comment to me over the years. They thought they're like, UNO will never get to a Frozen Four just because, you know, you look at the teams, you know, back over the last 10, 12 years that have, you know, gotten there and have won a national championship. And I mean, this for years is before it was, we actually made one, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. For years, you're talking about, you know, exactly. Yeah. Once we right. made one, because, yeah, uh, one of our one of our friends, one of the guys who's on the map puck message board had said he would streak around the, you know, century link center. <laughs> so we're still, we're still trying to hold him to that. That has not happened yet, by the way. Well, now it's not the century link center. So does that get him out of it then? Um, I, I'd be fine if he wanted to, it's a health center. So if he ends up with like frostbite or something, yeah, they'll be right that'd there. Be fine. I'm sure there's a medic inside now that they're called the CHI health center. Anyway, I mean, you know, the the reality is he was probably right. I mean, I know that there were a lot of people after the season in 2014-15 who were like, well, we're going to make it back to the, you know, Frozen Four next year in Tampa. Right. And that's just, that's not the way it works. There are certain programs over the years, like, you know, Boston College was a program that seemed to be a perennial team. There were a number of years where, 
you know, Maine was a fixture there and Michigan was a fixture there. But in recent years, um, you know, it could be anybody. And in recent, even more recent years, it's been a who's who of NCHC teams that have been there. Right. And so, you know, it's a, it's a small group and a small fraternity that gets to the frozen four. And it's important. There's been a couple teams over the course of the years where their 20th win or 21st win or something right. like they just break 20 wins in is the, the national championship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like you get in, you know, you get into the, to the tournament and you're yep. 17, 18 wins. Yep. It's not uncommon for you to, to play well, go on a tear yep. and get your 20 wins. Sure. In the title games. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, there was in one particular, I think it was the year that we, that Bridget and I went down to the Frozen Four in St. Louis and Michigan State was a team that nobody was expecting to do anything. And that team just went on a tear in the NCAA tournament and ends up winning the national championship down there. And that was not a team that, you know, a month before people have been talking about it at all. You look at Duluth last year who wins the national championship and they get in there by what, like point zero 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 something of a, I mean, it's. It's that crazy how thin the margin is. So I, I would always just encourage fans that if we have a season where we, like last season where we got, I think, 17 wins on the season, you know, it wasn't a season that resulted in an NCAA tournament at-large bid, but it was a good season and it was right. a good competitive season. And it doesn't matter to me whether we win the games in October or we win them in March. I know that there have been some fans who are like, well, I don't necessarily want to be, you know, care if we're good early in the season. I want to be, you know, solid in March. And it's like, well... You know, a win is a win is a win in college hockey, and I'll right. I'll take it whenever it happens. So I think it's important to move us along a little bit on this. Is just with the season looking the way it is, right. and, and we're expecting probably not a whole lot more output from this team this right. season. What is this university going to do to keep? season ticket holders specifically engaged. And for those that don't know, the university is doing a pitch right now for $10 seats. Uh, I don't know if it's for any game or, or for select games. I'd have to look that up again. But you can get a ticket for 10 bucks, which is cheaper per game than what we spend on our season tickets. So at this point in time, as a season ticket holder, you're looking at this going... I'm spending more for what? Right. This was the this was the problem that they had downtown. As we're well aware, the right overabundance of seats for UNO hockey proved to be a problem. And in order to get butts in seats, they would have ticket discounts or there was the, I, I think first national had a program where if you showed your card at the box office, you could get two for one seats. They had all kinds of interesting promotions down there over the years. And the biggest complaint was you're devaluing my seats. Why should I buy season tickets when I can basically buy single tickets to game tickets to any game I want? And we didn't think that we were going to see that at Baxter Arena when the place opened in 2015. We right. thought this place is going to be smaller. 
and demand will be higher, atmosphere will be great, and people will... And seats would be filled, which they have And seats been. will be filled, no, and there have been people who've given up their seats. And it would know, be kind of interesting. Obviously, we don't you know, know the composition or the you know, intensity of the fans who've bought seats over the years. And I know your feeling on that is, you know, if the next few years are lean... Or are we going to start to hemorrhage more season ticket holders? And I think you need, well, first off, your season ticket holders are, are typically your committed fans. They're the people that are right. going to be there through the down years. And it's it's really beneficial if you can, you know, obviously people buy their tickets, most of them on the payment plans, but it's good to be able to get that recurring income from your most loyal customers right. because the the toughest thing is number one if you have a lapsed customer it's very very difficult to get them back and it's also very difficult to recruit new customers to buy season tickets and this is something that everybody faces and everybody deals with in college hockey and you'll see a lot of good teams that have empty seats and so just because UNO, let's say they, like we had been talking about earlier, let's say they have just this miraculous season with a bunch of underclassmen where they win 22 games next year, that's not necessarily going to translate into, you know, uh, you know, a rush to buy season tickets for the following season by in, new people. Yeah, in fact, if you look at it, you're going to be more likely to reap the rewards of that the following season because people will think, most people are, are casual fans who come to a game here or there right. or something or were season ticket holders that no longer are, are going to look at that saying, oh, they're going to be good the next season. Right. So then they get season tickets the following year, and now you're in a situation where maybe they're not as good because it was a fluke season, and they only win you know, 11 games or something, and they're thinking, oh, this is a stupid decision. Well, now, you've got, now it's going to be even harder to get right. that person back. Here's things. For people like us who are diehard fans, and I have this you know, insane, you know, completely unplanned, hundred and some whatever. So now, yeah, I got to keep the attendance streak going. So that definitely keeps you motivated on cold, icy nights. It's one of those things, and we've talked about this. I, you know, I, Bridget and I do marketing communications in our business. So one of the things that you have to do in order to get members for a number of the nonprofits that we work with and have worked with over the years is you've got to incentivize them to join. It can't just be, you know, join our cause for the good of the cause mm -hmm. because we need you to join the cause. You have to incentivize them to do what you want them to do, which a lot of times means you have to come up with special perks and special bonuses that will make signing up for a membership more appealing. It's not a one-to-one -one correlation, but it's the same thing with season ticket holders because essentially mm -hmm. those people, they are, you know, the, the membership of UNO Hockey. They are, your, right. they are your best customers. So what are you going to do to retain? Because sometimes it seems like, you know, we just sort of take the season ticket holders for granted. Oh, they're the diehard people, you know. Hopefully we'll get 90% renewals from them and And blah, I think blah, people blah. have made the exact same argument from cable providers and it's sure. kind of the reason why you and i are streamers is yep you know for the longest time it was like here i am i get a good deal i'm there for a year and then they jack up the price and right. i have to you know argue and negotiate mostly at times because i had no other options well now you got streaming which right in a lot of cases is a cheaper option 
and I don't have to deal with it. And it's always the same price. And a lot of times and the picture quality, quite honestly, is better. Right. You don't have to deal with a giant clunky box that's a you know an energy hog. Yeah. And, and I can take it wherever I go. Sure. And I can watch you know one thing on one device and another. So there's so and many I advantages to it. I can cancel it. anytime, and it's very easy. And I think that that gets to this point of right. If if the team's not performing well, right. And there's no value to being a season ticket holder. What else is going to draw my yeah, attention I mean, and take me away? The, because the, then all of a sudden, you know, what do you get? You get the Lancers that come in and say, you know, you can get season tickets to the Lancers for, you know, X amount and sure. join our this club and and be a member of this for only this. And, you know, they start pitching the perks and stuff of being a Lancers thing and you know, maybe you lose people to, to Lancers hockey. Maybe you lose people to TV in general. Well, it's just, there's, when you look at it, it's, you're not just competing as we were talking about. You're not just competing against other hockey entities here in the area. You're competing against other entertainment entities. You're competing against Netflix. You're competing against, you know, going to the theater and watching a movie Right. You're competing if against... I didn't have if I didn't have my my season tickets and felt bad about missing something I was paying for, I would be going and doing this. Well, if if you do things to support the fan base, sure. they don't think that. I'll I'll give you I'll give you an example. And we've talked about this on this show before. You know, skate with the maps. This was something that they've done for they've done every season since they've been at Baxter Arena and they right. did it um, for a number of seasons at the Century Link Center downtown. Mm-hmm. They're not doing this this year. All signs we've been point able to, to know, yeah. Maybe they'll come up with something this week for a later week, but we're getting kind of, you know, the, the time, is, the, the time right. is dwindling to be able to do that. And these are the kind of activities that other programs do to engage their fans. And I, I understand that it's it's work, it's extra work on the weekend for you know, the athletic departments, the coaches, the team, et cetera. And it's probably, you know, they probably have a million other things they want to do and they need to do, but you have to put your face in front of the people that are paying the bills and keeping the lights on at Baxter Arena. You have to do it. And it's not just about schmoozing the donors. It's about schmoozing the people who are your rank and file fans, who are your evangelists, who go out there and... Tell everybody else in the community yeah. what a great sport you and hockey. I mean, I can, you know, a countless dozens of fans that Bridget and I have converted. I'll tell you, my, my friend Scott, who lives in our neighborhood, he's he's a plumber who does a lot of work on my house. And he replumbed the neighborhood pool that Bridget and I run a few years ago. You know, Bridget and I thanked him for his help with UNO hockey tickets over the years. And, you know, a, two seasons ago, he decided to buy his own season tickets. This was a guy who was not a UNO hockey fan. He's not an alumni of the university. But now he's got season tickets. He comes to every game. He enjoys it. He has a good time. And so these are the people that you need to keep engaged because you're not going to get new season ticket holders, you know, based on a billboard or on a Facebook ad or that sort of thing. The university, I mean, what did they spend to get him to buy season tickets, you know? virtually yeah and honestly nothing uh-huh. yeah and i think they stand so much more to lose right because if attendance drops which it will if you don't support the fan base right concessions also drop which is sure. really where you make money because you don't typically make money on your your seat by seat 
you know, it's it's the income that you need to keep things running, but you're not going to, you're never going to profit right. selling it's, out it's a It's definitely a bonus for them when they, you know, you get a person coming right. to a game to buy a couple beers, buy a tub Hot of popcorn. Dog. Yeah, something. Yeah, you look at some of those, you know, beer and popcorn are pretty high margin items. So that that's one of the things that's interesting, but you, yeah, that's what you want people to do. And it, a lot of times it's things that don't cost a lot of money that you can do to help, you know, enhance buying season tickets for fans. And like I mentioned, the skate with the Mavs is one thing. Not everybody's going to want to skate with the Mavs, but there are other opportunities too. We saw this with, you know, the Miami hockey program, Enrico Blasi, they had the the booster club for Miami hockey had what was called, I think it was Rico's Bistro or Rico's Restaurant or something. And it's right. a it's a situation where Miami coach Enrico Blasi and the team cook the dinner and serve the dinner to fans and you paid some low amount of money. I can't remember. It was like maybe $5 for kids, $10 for adults. And it's a fundraiser for the team, but it's a great way for the coach and the players to get their face out there in, in the you know public eye. I think for me, they're at the point where they've done so little to support the season ticket holders that they're going to need to go above and beyond. It's not going to just be another, oh, well, we'll just toss a skate with the Mavs for kids out there again, and, and we'll call that good. Or, you know, when the season's over, we'll do a, you know, come to Baxter, stand in a line and get a, a signed autograph poster, right? Well, this, this year, let, let's, 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 this is, this is honestly the funny thing. If you went and picked up your tickets this year, you got a clear plastic bag, like one right. clear plastic bag for what? Like every four seats you had, you got a right. bag or whatever. And so, I mean, I guess that was a freebie, but it was a freebie for a policy that's been somewhat controversial and unpopular with people. So you've got to do things that have more of a positive vibe. And whether it's, you know, giving an option to throw in a like a free T-shirt or, you know, giving season ticket holders bonus tickets that then they can give away to people that they know and have them come and try a game. I would prefer that to your, you know, ultra discounted, you know, $5 or $10 tickets during the season is, you know, give those to season ticket holders and let them invite a fan to come to a game. Yeah. You and I are, are both pretty, you know, into marketing and stuff on, right. on social media and it's a common brand ambassador strategy. Sure. You know, you get the people who are already committed to what you're doing to get others to commit to right. what you're doing, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, why not? Why not have like, why not send those tickets out and then get people to tweet using, you know, this hashtag or something with them and their friends that they brought and, you know, first time hashtag right. first time Mav fan or something like sure, that. Sure. That's the type of thing that they could show on the D Jumbotron. Tron. It yeah. would be great. Uh, Reshare on the pages, retweet, you know, really yeah. engage with the fans and say, look, here's, here is our community of hockey fans growing. Right. And when people see growth, they want to be a part of it. Yeah, people want to be part of things that are popular. The other thing that they haven't done, which kind of drives me nuts, is I think, for example, if you're a hockey season ticket holder, I would love it, for example, if you had an opportunity to buy season tickets to volleyball or basketball for a discounted rate. So you could get them all as a package deal for less money because you've already shown that you're interested in going to a UNO event in hockey. Right. So why not give people the opportunity to buy season tickets to the other events? And it could be a vice versa thing. It could be for the, you know, the hockey people and other stuff, because you look, the people in the club seats, when they buy those club seats, they're buying tickets 
to all of the UNO sports and then first right of refusal on the concerts and other things like that. I don't understand why we haven't offered, you know, people the opportunity to have package deals. Because as you know, Bridget and I, the first two years of Baxter Arena, we had season tickets for basketball and then they closed off the upper deck. And the problem was like all of the good seats in the lower bowl were taken by that point that were kind of at sort of center court. But it would be great if you could get people, because I guarantee you could get a, a certain segment of hockey season ticket holders to buy basketball and or volleyball. Right. And, you know, even if you didn't have a lot of attendance, it'd be a great way to generate revenue on those sports that aren't revenue generators. The other thing I think they should do is provide some sort of small but consistent perk. Right. Uh, I've been at a number of games where season ticket holders either had, uh, I, I was at one where they had a special line sure. for beer and concessions. And it was, if you yeah. were a season ticket holder, this is your line. And if you were someone else, this is your line. And it was, it was always a shorter line. It was just a nicer thing to get you through and yep. get you, you know, there's no difference. There's no cost well, at that point in time. It's, honestly, but it's, it, it's very easy. And I, my, right. my apologies for interrupting you. It's very easy now that we've got those cards with oh, yeah. the QR codes. You can just show your card. Show your card, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very, very easy thing. And so I'm completely with you. They, or there's a number of schools that do a discount. I've, I've right. known that where they they show their season. T- they get a special season ticket holder card or something like that. And, and, and here's the thing. Having that discount, even if it's, you know, 5%, 10%, it just right. it makes you want to buy concessions more. And you have to do, because this is not, you know, 2015 when we had just come off a Frozen Four appearance and the arena was brand new. So you had some lapsed season ticket holders saying, ooh, maybe I need to get in on that. Since tickets are going to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's where we've kind of gone beyond that. We've had some seasons that have just been so, so recently in the eyes of a lot of people. And so, you know, if we have down seasons, like some of the fans online have been talking about, that that might be what happens the next couple of years. You've got to do some of these things. And I also think, you know, having more face time with the coaches and players is important. I understand their time is valuable, but this is, this is part of, you know, what it means to, you know, get a scholarship to come right. play at the university of Nebraska, Omaha. This is the, these are the kinds of it, things that other programs do for their fans. And it, I think it creates a greater connection and greater bond and it, with the team. It does kind of support Gabnet's, philosophy at least as, right. as he's put out there which is this is a this is an occupation this is a job there's a, yeah a job to do there's work to do right you know some of it's hockey and some of it is some of this other stuff but you right. gotta understand that there are things other than hockey that you're going to be responsible for doing classwork and some of this community involvement stuff oh yeah I, I think that's really really important for them to get to know their fan base because i don't i don't necessarily think these players and, and even coaches get a chance to interact with a lot of the rank and file fans. And I think that that's kind of critical. Right. So with that in mind, shall we talk about Western Michigan coming? Yes. Down? Talking about the next home series and the next chance for season ticket holders to get to watch the team. It's this weekend at Baxter arena. 707 both yeah. February 1st and February 2nd. Andy Murray bringing the Broncos in. Our former NHL head coach. Former NHL head coach. I like him. He's kind of an old school guy. He's kind of an old school guy. Yeah. Former Mav Rob Facca was on his staff a few years ago. Pretty good guy. And I'll tell you what, that was our lone road win was out at Western. 
back in November. So we were thinking a few weeks ago that, you know, with Western at home this weekend right. and then Miami the following weekend, that that might be an opportunity for us to pick up some wins, pick up some points in conference play. However, Western Michigan <laughs> managed to dismantle Denver University in Kalamazoo last week. The shocker out there. Yeah. People have been talking. I, you know, I believe Gabinette said at the beginning of the season that he thought that Western might be the best team in the NCHC this season. They've got a lot of good young players on that team. They do. Guys like Wade Allison. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was never, I was never one to be on that bandwagon. I didn't think. That, I mean, I, I thought I they'd think, be a top four. I didn't think four. they were either and, until we've. I, I think they're a team that has. You look at them the last several years, they've been one of those teams that can be very competitive at times, but they've never been a team that has felt like a like a dominant team in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. However, we have no idea what's going to happen here the next, you know, month or two. They And UNO has played better at home. So right. hopefully that'll give us some boost maybe. Yeah, we, we're a much different team at home than we're on the road. And I know that early series uh, back in October against Notre Dame was a rough one. But by and large, we've played pretty solid at Baxter Arena, in particular the last you know couple months. And I think the other thing to point out is, is that Miami is going to St. Cloud. So when you look at the teams that have us, you know, Miami and Cairo College are the two that we're, we're, we're looking at going, okay, well, maybe we can put them in our rearview mirror a little bit. You know, if you can shock Western Michigan this weekend and get some points out of it, you could conceivably put both of those teams behind you, you know, heading into a weekend at right. Miami, Ohio. Col- Colorado College got a sweep out um, in Oxford this weekend. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it's going to be an interesting one to see. I, that's the crazy thing. We were talking about that again before the show. You know, Miami hasn't won a game like in 12 tries, and yet they're still ahead of us in the NCHC. Right. I mean, that's, that's what's crazy about how this season has gone for UNO. So, I don't know. What do you think about Western coming in? Are we doing... Are we, are we going to do our well, predictions? I'll are do my gonna, prediction if I, you want I gotta me to go tell first. You, I, I got to tell you, going back to... I mean, this uh, this Western team has won a lot of games the last couple months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their, their only losses were at St. Cloud State, and that St. Cloud State is very, very good this season. So are you saying you're predicting UNO does not get a week, does not get a win at Baxter? I don't know. I've been so optimistic. I'm kind of afraid not to be optimistic because people are going to jump down my throat. <laughs> Because it doesn't give me anything to do. I don't know. I, I, you know what? Let, let me, let me go different because I was thinking split, but let me go. I'm going to say Western Michigan comes in and sweeps. So no points for UNO. No. Is that, is that, yeah. You're looking at me like, wow, it's, yeah. I'm like, you're like, what am I supposed to do? Guys are going to turn it around. We're going to sweep this weekend. I, this Western team. Again, since November 16th, they've only lost two games, and those were at St. Cloud. Now, granted, they have not played 
a lot of games on the road in that time. So I mean, we played Duluth tight, but that was at home. Right. So here's what I think. I think okay. that they are a better home team than they are a road team. I would concur with that. And I think that their their system is one that plays nicely into UNO's caliber i guess of playing i think you're absolutely right they're not they, they do remind me of a kind of an old school ccha team so i think that much much like north dakota i i can see what you're saying much like north dakota i think we'll match up well with them so i don't i mean i i expected wade allison to to have a better season than he's having right as long as he doesn't break out against UNO, I think we can get a split out of the weekend. Okay. I think us for and I go back to to what we said, you know, happened in in Duluth and that there was just way too many shots on goal. I don't expect that Western Michigan is going to put up 55 shots. And so I think if we can hold them t- to sub 30 or something, Evan has been playing so well that we might be able to squeak out a 4-2 win or something uh, and then see what happens. Yeah, you're but right. I think I think we'll split. That's that's my prognostication. I think that's a pretty good bet. I'm going to say that we get swept, but you're right. They haven't put up they haven't put up like, you know, 50 shots like Duluth did on us. But of course, Duluth, and I don't see it. Duluth I mean, hadn't put up 50 shots on anybody, so. Right, but they've got talent that you know They've got a lot of depth, yeah. And I don't see that. Wade Allison would have been the one that I would have guessed would, if he was having a better season, I I would feel more comfortable about saying that they could put up something like that. You've got some of these guys like Colt Conrad and, you know, Dawson DiPietro and guys. But I see, I'm I'm just not as familiar with them as some of the other NCHC teams. Uh, Pasolt's going to be the one. Right. if, If we can keep him. Right tamed at, you know which is i think easier to do because you kind of look at western's roster and you say okay we need to focus on containing these guys whereas right. you look at denver and st cloud and duluth and I, I don't i'm not confident there's enough secondary scoring on those teams that you can say okay well if we shut down the top line sure we'll be fine I look at Western Michigan saying, we can shut down the top line. You should be okay. Denver failed to do that. Well, and I think you also look at Western, the fact that we had success against them at a time when we weren't having a lot of success. Right. Says something. And so they're... And I would say that we're playing better hockey now than we were playing when we saw them. I would definitely agree. I don't know. Western, that team, like I said earlier, they're just kind of an enigma as a team. I can't quite figure out, are they the real deal or... Are they just are one they, of those upset teams that... Are they just a paper tiger type yeah. of a team? You don't know. But I'm going to predict that they sweep. Okay. Just just to be different. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. I don't know. They have a... I feel like they have a lot more to play for at this point. The, I would say they do. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you could look at UNO saying, hey, if we can just not be the worst team in the conference, maybe that's something that we can step off of for next season. It would, but... it would be great. I'd much rather in the playoffs that if they do go on the road which looks like it will happen i'd rather they not have to go to st cloud or duluth and if we can put Kara college and miami in our rearview mirror right. 
at least from what I've seen statistically, we're most likely either go to Denver or to Western Michigan. Right. So, and I would, I would much rather, I mean, it's hard to say that with Denver, but I would much rather have that scenario than, than the two Minnesota schools. Cause we have not looked particularly good against them. This season. At either. Yeah. At either's barn. Whereas we played Denver better than we've played Denver in the past. So, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully we've got a, you know, a, a couple of lobby celebrations this weekend yeah. and you and I are eating our words and that would be spectacular. And then the fans can be the fans can jump back on the bandwagon again until the <laughs> until the next time we show ride the ship on Twitter That's for a right. little bit. Well, thank you guys for tuning in again and listening to us pontificate on all these wonderful <laughs> hockey related topics. If you would like to listen to back episodes of the Map Podcast, and I know some of you have mentioned that you've been getting caught up on the Map Podcast, so that's great. You can find You're links awesome. to all of those on mapbook.com. You can also find links to our social media channels. You can also sign up for an account on mapuck.com and sign up on our message board, which has some really good kind of, you know, kind of, you know, intelligent discussions going on right now. So if you're Banter. tired of all the drivel on Twitter and Facebook, you know, come to where, you know, it's it's kind of a highbrow environment for hockey fans. And go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.